1980-ish. I say ish because I can't remember the proper date, but Jane probably will. I, I can't. Uh, it's the day, date that I got born again. 22nd of June, 1980. Praise God. See, I, I knew that she'd know. Uh, so the 22nd of June in 1980, precisely, Jane and I received an invitation to go to one of Jane's work colleagues' church. Little did we know at that time the, how much our, our lives would change as a result of accepting that invitation. We never dreamed that we would be living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. We never dreamed that one day we would be pastoring a church in the Adelaide Hills. We never dreamed that we would lead a vibrant, life-giving and influential church in the Adelaide Hills. We never dreamed that we would be performing weddings, dedications and sometimes funerals too. The invitation we received required us to come to church, to go to church. I've got to tell you this morning that as much as um, people in, in church growth things talk about uh, the way that we structure our services, that we went into a service there were people who had their hands raised and were loudly and exuberantly praising God. There were people who were speaking in tongues. We had no clue what they were saying. We did not understand what they were saying, but they were speaking in tongues and we knew that something was happening. There was a, a communion that was taken. There was offerings that was received during a part of that that, that service, and there was preaching, and there were souls saved in that meeting. It was like nothing that we'd ever experienced before. We were invited to a church, and uh, we, we went to a church, but we never met a church. We met a person, and his name is Jesus. Jane and I got saved because someone gave us an invitation to come to a church service. I want to tell you that there is more to that invitation that we give to people than actually meets the eye. When we talk to our family and friends, to our neighbors, to our work colleagues, to people in and around our world, and we invite them to church, there is more to that invitation that actually meets the eye. Because I want to tell you this morning that God has been working in that person's life way before you ever invited them to church. This is one part of the, the puzzle that's being put into place in their lives. This invitation is just one part of that picture. And God has been working in their lives. There is more to that invitation than actually meets the eyes. Most invitations have a, a requirement to come. Like if you receive a birthday invitation usually means that you need to go to a birthday party. Same for weddings and dedications and things like that. If there's an invitation that gives, you give out, there's usually some requirement to come along to something. And uh, if we come, we actually, like when we talk about church, we actually give people an opportunity to get closer to a person. To come means that we draw nearer, to move toward, we move with purpose to advance, to go forward, to maybe rise in rank. And just as there are commands in the Bible, 
I also believe that there are invitations too. So uh, with each of these invitations, there's more to these invitations that actually meets the eye. And I'd like to have a look at a few of these invitations that are recorded in the Bible to help us to see maybe something that we hadn't realized was there, that there's a greater depth to these invitations that Jesus gives to us this morning. Amen? So the first one is this. Jesus invites us to come to Him. In Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What an incredible invitation. What an incredible invitation. The, the invitation here, though, is conditional. We've got to come and we've got to cast our burdens, our cares on the Lord, and He can handle any problem that comes our way. And I know that this morning, it's highly likely that there are people who are weighed down with stuff today, and you need to come to Jesus, and He will give you rest this morning. Number two, Jesus invites us to come and to see. Matthew, sorry, John chapter 1, uh, verses 38 to 39, there's this story where uh, this, uh, these people have, uh, want to know more about Jesus. So they come and they ask uh, about Jesus. And then Jesus says to them in verse 39, uh, come and see. Come and see what it's all about. Come and come on a journey with me to, to see what it's all about. See, this is the deal. The closer we walk with Jesus, the more that we will see him work in our lives. Let's see what Jesus is doing. Let's see what God is doing. And when we walk with Jesus, we'll see what he is doing and we'll discover a greater level of security, of safety, of strength, of singing, of signs and wonders, of selflessness in our daily living. Can I suggest to us this morning that sometimes all we are going to see in some periods and seasons of our lives is what God isn't doing. But I want to encourage you this morning that God is doing something. Just because we can't see it, because we can't maybe hear Him talking to us, does not mean that He's inactive in our life. God is doing something. He is organizing and structuring things in our world for our better, for our good. God is at work right now for your good. Please, I'm underwhelmed by your response. <laughs> Number three, Jesus invites us to come and drink. Amen. John 7 verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, that might have been God the Father, actually, might have been not Jesus. Yeah. Okay, back that one off. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. See, here's the thing. If we want to live a spirit-led life for those rivers of living water to flow from us, then it requires that we are first filled with the life of Christ. If we want to, to have like this, this, and it says it in the very next verse, it says, John 7, 30, it says, Whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. But first, we've got to drink from him. If we want Jesus to flow through us, if we want the Holy Spirit to flow through us, 
We've got to have something going into us. We've got to come and drink from the living waters, for the living waters to flow from our lives. If you've got no rivers of living water flowing from you, what are you ingesting? What are you feeding on? What are you drinking from this morning? There's got to be this area where there's, there's this natural flow in our lives where we drink from the Spirit of God to release the Spirit of God. I'm getting warmed up. Jesus invites us to come and eat. Now, I can do this one till the cows come home. I'm good at eating. Okay? It says, John, John 21 verse 12, Jesus said to them, Come and have some breakfast, dude. So what, what's happening here? Well, let me tell you the story. So there's the disciples. After the, the, the crucifixion of, of Jesus and, and then after he gets raised from the dead, Jesus is waiting on the shore uh, for the disciples to, to uh, come in from uh, all night fishing and stuff. And then Jesus... Okay, he says to Peter, because Peter recognizes Jesus on the shore. He's leapt over there uh, and he's just swam to shore. And then he's come and he's said, Jesus, it's you. And Je Jesus said, come and eat. Come and eat. These guys have been working all night. They've been out there fishing, doing what comes. They are tired. They are hungry. And Jesus can meet every one of our physical needs. I want to tell you this morning, if you're hungry, if you're hungry for a move of God, if you're hungry to see God move in your circumstance, if you're hungry for, uh, for even the natural things that we, we need, sometimes you know, we need, just need to focus in on God. There's this area where we just need to trust God for our provision daily. And I know that some people today are trusting God for, from one meal to the next meal. I know that and I understand that. But we've got to have this ability where we can come and eat of what God gives to us. There's something that brings us closer together when we meet together. This, this whole thing about fellowship and connecting together, it's so important in the life of a church. It's so important for us to come together and feed one another from the, the stories that we tell each other. I'm looking forward to hearing the stories of breakthrough that come from our next period of prayer and fasting that we're going to see in August. I'm believing to see incredible stories and hear incredible stories of breakthrough in people's lives when they start to just say, you know what, I'm going to fast during August. I'm going to believe for a breakthrough in my life. I'm going to believe for a breakthrough in my family. I'm going to believe for a breakthrough in my workplace, that the toxic atmosphere that I'm as a part of in the workplace changes to an atmosphere of love and peace and power in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to believe for a breakthrough in those areas. But it comes when we start to feed on who God is. We feed upon the Word of God, which is the bread of life. Number five, before I get too revved up. <clears throat> Jesus invites us to come apart with Him. He invites us to come apart with Him. Ministry's been tough for these disciples. Okay? And, and in Mark chapter 6, verse 31, Jesus says to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place, and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they didn't even have time to eat. Jesus knows that if we don't come apart, separate ourselves to, from the distractions to be alone with Jesus, then we will come apart. We'll get undone. We'll fall apart in life and in the world. Burnout is the effect of a lack of personal time alone with God where He can minister to our greatest needs and our heart's desires and being spiritually refreshed. Here's the truth. 
We cannot minister to others if we've not been first ministered to by the Lord. It's the whole thing about drinking and then the rivers of living water coming out of us. We have an opportunity to come apart before we fall apart. We've got to come apart, to, we've got to separate ourselves out to where God is, remove the distractions from our lives and then start to allow God to minister into us in those times. It, it, it's, it's, it's a simple thing. But our lives are so full, so, so full of distractions today. Jesus invites us to come and be blessed. Matthew 25 verse 34, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. See, in coming to Jesus... We've been blessed beyond measure. You may not think that, you may not realize that, you may not understand that right now, but He's prepared a place for you. It's in His presence for all of eternity. God's prepared this place for us, and it's a place that we can access. It's a place that we can come to and, and just receive that blessing. It, it just, we've got to come to Him to get to this place. It's called heaven. Now, the greatest invitation that we've been given is this. And this is what I want to spend some time this morning. It's the invitation to come and follow me. To come and to follow me. Matthew 4, verses 18 to 20 says this, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. What would happen to us if that happened? You know, like if Jesus came into our workplace. What, what would happen if Jesus came into your workplace and said, Hey, come follow me. I'll make you fishes of men. I'm like, would you think this guy's a fruit loop? Would you think like, hey, let's, let's call the cops before he scares the customers away? Like, <laughs> what would you think? Well, how would you react if, if Jesus came into your workplace the place that you're working, interrupted your Bible class, and Jesus said, come follow me. I mean, God, what would you think? Suddenly he rocks up at the ABC uh, radio and, and, he, and, he, and he walks into to, to this office uh, when someone's on air and, and he says, well, that's it's not ABC radio, but it's, it's, it's close. And he just comes on air and the, the microphone's there and he says, Come follow me and I'll make your fishes of men. What would you do? Well, what did these disciples do? In verse 21 to 22, it says, Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee. I mean, what sort of name Zebedee, really? I mean, like it's just a children's program, you know what? Zebedee and the magic roundabout. Anyone remember that? Okay, about three of us, praise God. I just showed my age then, didn't I? It's an old English show, by the way, so yeah, it might have been the dog, but let's move on. Um, so Zebedee and his brother John, they were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them and immediately they left their boat and their father and they followed him. What would our reaction be? How would we respond to that? If you're born again, how many are born again this morning? Anyone here saved? The majority of us. I'm not sure if you realize this, 
If you're born again, if you are a believer this morning, that invitation has been extended to you and he has said to you, come and follow me. That's not just to start the ball rolling. It's, it's, it's an invitation to come and to follow me. When we accepted him as our saviour, we signified that we would follow him. By, by becoming a believer, we've said, yes, I'm going to follow you, Lord Jesus. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? What, what does it mean in this whole thing of us following Jesus? Let's have a look at it. Number one, or A, part A, it's, it's an invitation to follow. Follow me. Come follow me. It's an invitation to follow. That was revelation right there, wasn't it? I could tell. Yeah, the pennies dropped, it's sinking in. I said, oh, I've got to follow. This means that we come along behind. We are keeping our eyes fixed on the one that we're following and we are following behind. Where he leads, we follow all the way along. But do we really mean it when we say that we're going to follow him? Following Jesus means laying aside our own lives, giving up our desires and the things that we want in life. In Matthew 16, verses 24 to 25, says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, in other words, who's following me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. That doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to die for the gospel, but it's there. Dean said last week about that. It means that we are making following Jesus the most important thing in our lives. Jesus never promised that the Christian life is going to be easy peasy. Never promised it. People say, oh, you know, Christianity is just a crutch. You know what? I needed a crutch. Oh, Christianity's like, you know, just got to brainwash you. I've got to tell you, my brain needed washing. I've got to tell you, becoming a Christian doesn't make life easier. Life suddenly got really, really hard. Because now you're trusting in a person that you can't see, but you know is there. Suddenly you're trusting in uh, this thing called the Bible, the Word of God, and you're hoping against hope that everything in here, the promises that it contains are true. You're basing the rest of your life on this fact that what's written in here is an actual promise from God and that it's going to come true for you. You've changed things. You've made a declaration in your life to your family and friends. Oh, I'm, I'm a Christian now. I don't do those sorts of things or I, I live a little bit differently. We don't come out and sometimes say those things, but we demonstrate through a changed life as we follow Jesus 
what that might look like for our family and friends. I've got to tell you, becoming a Christian is one of the hardest things you'll ever do. Because when you want to give up, when you want to walk away and say, stuff it, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of hanging on to the Word of God and believing in the promises. I'm not seeing the fulfillment of those promises. I want to walk away, but I can't. Because there's something inside of me that says there's something real about this person called Jesus. And I've decided to follow him. And no matter what the result of those beliefs are that I have in his word, I'm going to continue to believe in him, even if it takes into eternity to see the fulfillment of it. Life got really, really hard when you became a Christian. And I'm just letting you know, right here, right now, like you don't know, that life can be tough being a Christian. How do you reconcile the tension where our government allows same-sex marriages knowing that in the Word of God, I can't stand for that? I've got to love those people like Jesus loves them, but I don't have to agree with everything they believe in. It's, it's tough being a disciple. I said the word, sorry. Didn't mean to offend you. Actually, I did. This is what we're called to be, disciples. Here's, here's, I'd love to do a study one day. Is there a difference between a believer and a disciple? I'd love to dig on that one. I'd really like to say, you know, is there a, is there a difference between a believer and a disciple? Because I'll, 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 this is just me thinking off the top of my head. This is no like deep theological thinking about this is just me being, uh, what's the word? Impulsive. Gary. <laughs> Gary, that's it. If you look up in the, bio, in the dictionary where it says impulsive, you'll see Gary. <laughs> so here's the question. Is there a difference between a believer and a disciple? You know what? I don't think there should be. If I'm a believer, I'm going to do exactly what it says, and that, that includes being a disciple. Hmm. following Jesus means to be following Jesus we are behind him we are not in front we are not the fourth person of the Godhead leading from the front I'm leading following. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm leading, but I'm following. I'm following Jesus. I'm following the person, the Holy Spirit. Too often we miss the blessings of God because we're way out front and we're leading rather than following Jesus. We get ahead of him. Jesus said that he would send his Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. In John 16 verse 13, it says, but when the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears and he will tell you what's yet to come. However, in today's life, we are so, so busy, so, so busy that we can't set aside time to wait upon the person of the Holy Spirit to seek his leading and his guiding for our lives. When Jesus was about to go up to heaven after his resurrection, 
His first command to his disciples, those who were following him, wasn't to go out and to serve and to engage in our community or to fellowship together. His first commandment to these disciples was to go aside to wait for the fulfillment of the promise of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He wanted us to wait for the promise of the person of the Holy Spirit to come. That was his first command to us, to wait. Why? He wants us to be clothed with power from on high. Luke 24 verse 49 says, wait until you've been clothed with power from on high. In other words, until we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will be my witnesses because you'll receive power to be my witnesses. We need the the baptism of the, the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit for us to be able to actually do what God is asking us to do. Until we've been filled with the Holy Spirit, we should not move ahead with what God wants us to do until we have got that infilling with the endowment with power from on high. That's why it's so important maybe for some of us in August to set aside time to look at our calendar and say, you know what, I'm going to actually believe what the Bible says. I'm going to wait for the infilling of the person of the Holy Spirit and I want August to be my breakthrough month that launches me into a whole new realm for the rest of my life. This may just be the turning point where you start to see the miraculous, the supernatural things of God come to pass in our lives because we made a decision and I'm going to turn off social media, I'm going to turn off the television for for a time and just do what God's asked me to do and to seek His face. That's just some of us. And that's fine. I mean, you you lead your own lives. I'm not telling you you have to do this. I'm just saying, look, let the Holy Spirit draw you. You know, I've got this song in my heart. I've had it for months in my heart. and I, we, we sang it at uh, the, uh, the prayer night just a couple of weeks ago. And it was just, I, I just had this cry in my heart for a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. Anoint me with fresh oil, fill me. Spirit of God, anoint me with fresh oil. Fill me, Spirit of God. Help me to see thy purpose. Understand all thy ways. And so it goes. There's this cry in my heart for a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now you know why we have a worship team, by the way. You now know why I'm not a part of the worship team. Thank you. I appreciate that. Can I have that in writing? Can someone give me an email? That would be great. See, here's 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 the deal, church. Here's the deal. When we've been waiting and been filled with the Holy Spirit, we can move on to the next bit. Jesus said to follow me. Jesus was saying, follow me. Follow me. Only after we've been filled with the Holy Spirit that we'll ever be able to have the ability to truly follow Jesus. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. 
In Hebrews 12, verses 2 to 3, it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If we follow and fix our eyes on Jesus, when it does get tough, we can know that if we've got our eyes on Jesus, we can make it through because Jesus made it through. Here's the deal, though. It cost him his life. And it's going to cost us our life, too. We're to follow Jesus' example. He's our only example in this life and the life that's yet to come. Okay, here's, here's it. You ever remember WWJD? Can anyone tell me what that means? You guys are good. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? This phrase, it went viral worldwide and there was such a great marketing campaign that you could get a a wristband, you could get a t-shirt, you could get an eraser, you could get a pencil. One of the most flogged, most Stolen items in Kurong was the what would Jesus do thing. I'm thinking, like, Jesus wouldn't do that, but I'm going to do it. So, you know, like, hello, like, well, I don't understand that. But so, what would Jesus do? But there's a part of me that has a problem with this. See, for, for me to say, what would Jesus do, means that I've got to guess what he would do in my circumstance. I've got to make a good guess, have conjecture. I've got to suppose that that's what Jesus would do. I think, and this is just me, and I, it's, I think that you know, if people have got something out of that, I don't want to take that away from you. It's a fantastic, great slogan and, and whatever. But wouldn't it be better to ask, what did Jesus do? Isn't that based in faith on the, the actual Word of God? I know that that's what Jesus did. He loved people. There's a thought. He forgave people. There's another thought. If Jesus did those things, then maybe it's WWID as well. What will I do? See, if Jesus did certain things, then will I do those same things as well? Did Jesus get filled with and led by the Holy Spirit? Yes, that was not, that's not rocket science. That was a really good opportunity for you to come in and say, yes, he did. He got filled with the Holy Spirit and he was led by the Holy Spirit. So let's start that again. Did Jesus get filled with and led by the Holy Spirit? Yes. Wow, you guys are good. You guys are good today, I tell you, really good. So did Jesus love people? Did Jesus serve people? Did Jesus live a life of devotion and spend time with his Father? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Will we? If we're following Jesus and we're modeling our lives on what he did, not, I mean, you need to have your, you know, like your, your brain switched on as well. Like you, you need to, to transfer it into your context and do things in, in the way that you understand it to happen. Did Jesus engage with his, his community? Yes, he did. Will we? Yes, we will. We've got to. Before we act in a manner we may later regret, we first need to ask ourselves, is this a, the action of a person that is following Jesus Christ? Did Jesus do this? 
Therefore, I need to do that. True Christianity starts from the heart and it works its way outward from within. True Christians are people who all the time and under all circumstances are not just living in a way that to try to be right. We are right because of who Jesus is. Do you understand what I'm saying? I've probably confused myself. We're not good because we do good. We're good because of Jesus. But the outworking of that is that we will do good. Do you understand what I'm saying? Cool. Someone explain it to me afterwards. <laughs> the way we live will change the more that we are filled with the Holy Spirit and following Jesus. See, right believing leads to right living. Right believing, right thinking. It starts up here. It starts up here. We, we fill our lives with the Word of God. We fill our lives with who Jesus is. And as a result of transforming our mind... Be renewed by the transforming of our mind. We know what the good, perfect and pleasing will of God is. In other words, because I understand differently, I believe differently, it causes me to live a different sort of life. Thirdly, Jesus said, I will make you. I'm so glad he said that. This is not about a self-made man or woman. This is about a man or woman who has been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and by what Jesus has done in and through us. I can never make myself good enough to, be, to, to get to heaven, but Jesus did. I can never live a life of faith in Jesus Christ without the person of the Holy Spirit filling me and overflowing my life. Ephesians 2, 8-10 says it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. <laughs> Praise God. It's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. Whatever it is that Jesus has in mind for us, He will make us fit to do that. He will shape us, construct us in such a way to do it. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Paul says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. In Philippians 4.13, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's Christ that strengthens me. It's Christ that aligns my life to be able to do those things. When a new person is hired for a job, they are usually put with someone uh, to, to work with them. It shows them what to do, but also with the attitude and the spirit in which they're to do that. Hopefully in a good workplace, that's what's happening. But what, uh, can, we can do what we've been created to do if we are uh, doing it and we're following Jesus. We are entirely new creations. We've been given a whole new outlook in life and what's important in this life. And we have Jesus to show us the way to do, how to do this job. And what job is it that Jesus has got us to do? He says, part four, Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men and women, boys and girls, and all those in between. There's far more to being a Christian than we actually realize or are willing to admit. The church is here for a more important reason than just to give us a place to go on a Sunday. 
Preaching is meant for a far more important reason than just to tickle our ears. The Bible is something more than a conversation piece in our homes. All of these things are for just one reason, and that is to point people to Jesus, to make disciples and to follow Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jane and I got saved because someone invited us to church. They gave us the chance to meet Jesus, and now it's our job to invite others to know Jesus and to accept his gift of forgiveness and eternal life. Matthew 4, 18-20, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, and they, for they were fishermen. He said, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. Here's the deal. Jesus wants us to follow him. Jesus wants you to follow him. And only you can make that decision. Only you can determine the priorities of your life. Only you have any say in the response to that invitation. See, because there's far more than meets the eye that's in this invitation. Jane and I got saved because someone invited us to church. And when we got to church, we met Jesus. When we invite our family and friends, our neighbors and our co-workers to follow us to church or to have a coffee because we've got something that's so amazing, we want to let them know about it, it's also an invitation to follow Jesus to eternal life. We are walking on this earth as carriers of an invitation. What are we doing with the invitation? Let's stand. There's some things I want to pray around this morning. <clears throat> there are a number of invitations that Jesus gave to us in that first instance. So this morning, are you carrying a heavy load? Something that you're not designed or should be carrying? I believe that God wants to take that, that load from you this morning. Are you only seeing what Jesus is not doing rather than what he is doing? I believe that God wants you to see what he is doing this morning. Do you want a flood of the Holy Spirit to flow through you? Then this morning, come and drink. Are you tired and hungry? Then Jesus wants to invite you to come and to eat. Are you close to a burnout this morning? Then God wants you to come and set yourself apart before you fall apart. Do you need a blessing? Well, Jesus invites you to come apart and set yourself aside and to walk in his blessing. And this morning, I believe that Jesus is asking us to come and follow him. Come and follow him. Not a philosophy of the world, not what's socially acceptable or not, but to follow 
Jesus. Just maybe this Thursday with the start of 31 days of fasting that we're going to be going on, certainly Jane and I will be doing it. We just throw it open. We just felt like we needed to do this and throw it open to the church. But just maybe in the setting aside of the next 31 days for August, maybe God is going to speak into our world things that are going to sustain us and strengthen us and fulfill us in this time. It doesn't have to be a full fast. Maybe a Daniel fast. If you want to know what a Daniel fast is, come and talk to Jane. She knows. And I'm, I'm serious, she does. She knows what it's about. There are certain things you can give up, partial things. Maybe it's social media, maybe it's the television, maybe it's whatever. It's up to you. This morning, what is God saying to you about following Jesus? What is he saying? What, is there a challenge that you feel in your heart this morning? Is there things that you're carrying? Is there things that you're, you're wanting to see happen in your life, but you're not, but this morning you want to see there? I'm just going to open up the front. If people want to respond, I believe the Spirit of God is here this morning to bring breakthrough. If you'd like prayer in any of those areas that I've talked on, then I would encourage you to come out and to receive some prayer this morning. Just as, as Haley leads us in a song, just come out whilst this song is being played. I'm going to close the service even now because I feel that there's an opportunity for people to, to receive ministry. And uh, if you've got to go, thank you so much for coming out this morning. We've enjoyed having you here, being a part of what God's doing here. Um, just want to say, have a great week. Being great to see you next Sunday. Uh, we'll put some stuff up on social media because the church is not fasting that. We'll put some stuff up on social media to let you know about the fasting. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence. Bless and encourage your people today. In Jesus' name.